It's December 14th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. A good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Right Report, your daily news podcast. I've got eight briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, legal trouble for both Joe and Hunter Biden this morning. Congress plans to further investigate these gentlemen and possibly charge both with crimes. Second, new warnings from U.S. law enforcement that Americans may be attacked by terrorists over the holidays. Third, the U.S. House says that China and their communist governance are incompatible with America, but we have to keep trading with them. Fourth, America's open borders are leading to a new crime wave in America's richest neighborhoods. I'll tell you which ones. Fifth, an update out of Argentina that impacts America's farmers. Next, the White House and its allies in Congress are blasting anyone who opposes war aid to Ukraine as being the pro-Putin caucus. I've got that and three other smears you should know about and why you should care. Seventh, updates from the war into Israel with shocking video showing Hamas is picking up children and using them as human shields. Finally, we will discuss some good news coming to us from Mexico. Although you might disagree, you'll see why. But first, let's get to that top story of the morning. Joe and Hunter Biden are both facing legal trouble this morning. Biden Sr. now faces a formal impeachment inquiry, all into Biden family corruption allegations. Congress voted to formalize an inquiry after, they argue, they found sufficient evidence to do so. That includes Biden family financial documents involving all sorts of shell companies, plus testimony from two IRS whistleblowers and material from another whistleblower from the FBI. They also flagged terabytes of data from Hunter Biden's verified laptop that show payments to the big guy, allegedly Joe Biden himself. But despite that direct and circumstantial evidence, the White House and most folks in the U.S. media are saying this morning that there is a lack of evidence. It's a political hit job, they say, or as Mr. Biden himself said yesterday, quote, they are focused on attacking me with lies, end quote. Nevertheless, the House voted along party lines yesterday to approve both expanding and formalizing the impeachment inquiry. The goal is to firmly determine if Mr. Biden improperly benefited from his son Hunter's foreign business dealings. For what it's worth, a majority of the House took this step because they believe it will strengthen their legal case as congressional investigators try to compel testimony and get evidence, but they expect to be blocked by the Biden Justice Department, amongst others, so forward this inquiry goes. So that is the latest about Joe Biden, a remarkable moment in American history of the commander-in-chief facing a formal impeachment inquiry regarding possible acts of corruption involving foreign nations. Meanwhile, his son Hunter is facing his own legal troubles on Capitol Hill, too. He was supposed to testify yesterday in front of a a private congressional panel. They plan to quiz him over his role in these alleged uh, acts of corruption, but he refused to do so. Instead, Mr. Biden Jr. spoke to reporters, blasting House, uh, House Republicans for wanting to question him in private. He insisted that he wanted to be questioned in public. And that is because he says that his private testimony will assuredly be leaked and he will be unable to properly respond. Well, be that as it may, what was curious during Hunter's press conference yesterday was in how he defended himself and his father. And here's what he said. Take a listen. Quote, 
There is no evidence to support the allegations that my father was financially involved in my business because it did not happen, end quote. To which Republicans responded to that with two things. First, Hunter does not get to set the rules of how or when he will be questioned by Congress, and that by refusing to do so, they say, he stands to be prosecuted for contempt of Congress. And that is a real crime. In fact, it's the same uh, charge that former President Donald Trump staffer Steve Bannon was charged with last summer. He faces prison time for that charge, although he is appealing that ruling. But second, Republicans took notice of Hunter's phrasing at the press conference yesterday when he said that his father, Joe, was not financially involved in his business. And here's why that's free, uh, why that phrasing is odd. As I shared with you back on December 7th, Mr. Biden continues to insist that he never spoke to either Hunter or any of his business partners ever about their businesses. But now Hunter is saying something a bit different. Rather, that Joe Biden was not financially involved. And that opens the door to, yes, Joe Biden, he may have spoken to his son, if not his business partners many times, but not financially involved. Well, that is why House Republicans like Jim Jordan described this new phrasing as, quote, a huge change, end quote. So those are the developing facts and data on the Biden family corruption allegations and now a full-fledged impeachment inquiry. So let me offer you this analysis and opinion. So first up, let us again confirm to each other and with each other what we discussed back on September 13th. We have terabytes of data and photos and videos and even a voicemail from Joe Biden himself that confirmed that he was intimately aware of Hunter's business deals. In fact, he met and discussed those deals with both his son and his various business partners. So this new pivoting of language it's important. Right? Hunter is saying that, okay, sure, perhaps his dad was involved, but not financially involved. So here's the question for you. Do you buy that? Because a recent poll from the Associated Press shows that about 70% of you do not. You all think that Mr. Biden, that is Biden Sr., committed some sort of unethical or illegal act. And that is why the White House is clearly coordinating this new message from Hunter. They're trying to create a little bit of wiggle room to you know, help explain that, okay, maybe Joe knew, but he didn't profit. All right, well, let's see if that sticks. That is the point of the impeachment inquiry. Second, Hunter Biden got himself into a pickle yesterday, but it was a planned pickle. Because if the Biden DOJ doesn't charge him with this contempt of Congress, but they continue to do so with that Steve Bannon character for the exact same crime, well, outrage is going to ensue, and rightfully so. And frankly, whatever credibility the Attorney General Merrick Garland uh, has left, well, it's gone. And that means that this allegation of deep state stuff, well, it becomes utterly and undeniably real, at least in my view. So let's watch and, and, and wait, because as a lot of folks said uh, yesterday, sure, there are important implications for the 2024 presidential election with both of these developments. But perhaps more importantly to me, this is really about presidential corruption and the very future of this republic. More to come. Next up this morning, U.S. law enforcement agencies are warning Americans that they may be attacked by terrorists over the holidays, killed by lone wolf operators. It's a warning that has been echoed over the past couple of months by public statements and press releases by various officials with the U.S. government. For instance, FBI Director Christopher Wray 
He recently said that all warning lights are flashing red. He made that statement a little over a week ago. Well, now we can add to that this. Yesterday, the FBI, DHS, and National Counterterrorism Center said that there is a heightened risk for the following. Attacks at public gatherings for Christmas, for Jewish holidays, for New Year's celebrations, and really at any public gathering, especially over the Israeli-Hamas war. They emphasize that there are no specific attacks planned, but that violence would come from what they described as lone actor violence or lone wolves. Those in this case are largely Islamic radicals who aren't connected to a group per se like Al-Qaeda, but just engaged or embracing violent Islamic ideologies. And that is why these agencies are encouraging Americans to report suspicious activity to law enforcement officials, including and up to the FBI. With those facts and data, let me now offer you my analysis and opinion. First, these latest warnings continue to match what I hear from my old friends and colleagues. They see terror threats all across this country, all across the board, in cities large and small. And that terror is almost wholly being directed by either radical leftists or Islamist groups. And they are all associated with either pro-Hamas or anti-Israeli causes. So my counsel to you is this. Report suspicious activity, yes, but to local law enforcement, not to the FBI. And I am pained to say that, but simply put, I don't trust the Bureau under this current administration or its leadership. So unless and until that changes, they don't deserve my trust, and I don't think they deserve your trust either. Next up this morning, the U.S. House says that China's Communist Party and their economic system are wholly incompatible with ours and our values, but they argue that we can't walk away from Beijing. We need their market and their money just too darn much. That is the message from the House Select Committee on China, which issued a pretty incredible and frankly blunt report on the Chinese threat. It had 150 plus recommendations on how to address what it called a Chinese communist government that undermines U.S. economic security. They went on to admit that Beijing controls so much of our economy that there is no fallback. There's no contingency plan. If a war were to break out between our two nations, we would be in serious trouble from a supply chain perspective. And yet the report and these politicians refuse to call for the most aggressive action to change that, namely to slap wholesale tariffs on that trade and wean us off of those Chinese goods for good. Plus, there's this. House politicians, both Democrat and Republican, they refused to demand that America withdraw from what's called the World Trade Organization or demand that China be pushed out of it. And here's why. According to the online outlet Politico, the tougher language it was initially considered, but it got yanked or watered down all by corporations, trade groups, and representatives from mostly rural areas who fear losing access to China's 1.4 billion consumers. And that was especially an acute risk for farmers and ranchers who are afraid of losing their most valuable export market. So those are the latest facts and data, but let me pivot now to my analysis and opinion of why this report is so much more than a simple report. So here's why. Have you ever heard the expression golden handcuffs? It means that we choose to be handcuffed as something like a trade partner, even though they run utterly contrary to our values. But we stay stuck with it because it is so lucrative, like a heavy golden chain. And that's what's happening here 
with this report and in America. To just underline this point, recall my report to you on Tuesday, I believe it was, China is hacking our utility systems, our pipelines, grid systems, our port infrastructure, train systems, and so forth. And the express goal of that is to cause chaos and anarchy, to foment unrest and murder in our cities, to distract us if they choose to invade Taiwan or we otherwise get into some sort of conflict. So that is what we are handcuffing ourselves to on purpose, which is remarkable and foolish and deadly. And that is why, ladies and gentlemen, I make this next prediction to you. And it's all based on my experiences at the CIA with this target. And it's based on the facts and data that I've presented to you on this podcast and my last one. So here it is. I believe that we are going to be attacked by China with medium confidence, I say this, by the way, within the next 24 months. Now, to understand that timeline, I would encourage you to listen again to the episode on September 7th. That's when I explained the Pentagon's program to build out a a fleet of AI-infused drones. It's called the Replicator Program. Now, the U.S. military should have those ready in about 18 to 24 months, and they will deploy those things to or near Taiwan, all to make up for China's superiority both in the skies and on the seas, at least in that region. But China knows we're doing that. And they know that once we do, they will lose much of their military advantage, of course, once we deploy that stuff. So that is why that I think that Beijing will strike sooner than later and they, they will be nasty about it within the next 24 months. Now, I pray to God that I'm wrong. And as I noted, I don't have high confidence in my prediction, only medium. But I do think it's coming. And I don't think that we can stop it. And that's because there are too many people in power from D.C. to trade unions and such that are frankly stuck in those golden handcuffs. And to break out of them, I wish I didn't have to say this, but we are going to need a a, a new Pearl Harbor or 9-11 to just shock us back into common sense. And then maybe we'll change, maybe, depending on how hard we get and whether, frankly, we can even recover. So that is obviously a sobering prediction, I realize. But I stand by it based on my facts and and reasonable analysis that I've shared with you. So if you were moved by that prediction at whatever level, I would encourage you to think about that now, about how to uh, prepare your families with a reasoned and a calm set of strategies from food and medicines to water and, if so desired, weaponry. As I've shared with you before, if you do buy those things, make sure you buy the stuff that you can use and enjoy right now. Don't scare yourself into digging a cave and live in in panic and fear. But it is time to prepare, thoughtfully, dispassionately, but resolutely. Because the time to prepare is not when the the lights go off, or the, the spigot doesn't flow, or the trains and the ports suddenly grind to a halt. That is when it is far too late. Finally, before our first break of the morning, I've got important news related to America's southern border. A new crime wave is erupting from coast to coast in this country, caused in no small part by illegal migrants and a group from South America that are being called crime tourists. So here's what we know. Over the weekend, five men were arrested in a wealthy suburb of Philadelphia called Abington Township. They were all from the country of Chile which is usually known for its copper, its uh, beautiful national parks, 
but no longer. In at least eight American states right now, these criminals and illegal migrants from Chile and other countries in South America are traveling to the wealthy areas and the suburbs of this nation, and they're breaking into very expensive homes. They then rob those residences, they take the stuff that they can, and they sell it online or they return home with it, you know, going back home abroad. And it is very lucrative, ladies and gentlemen. In Texas alone, these South American gangs net anywhere between 20000 to 100000 per job or per house. Now, I should tell you that this problem is rooted all the way back in 2014 under the then Obama administration, who uh, let Chile and other South American nations into a, a, a new approval system to travel to the U.S. without a visa. So when they did that, criminal networks had a great idea. Right? They thought, hey, I can hop on a flight to America. I can stay for upwards of 90 days. I can go to a, a residence or a neighborhood in one of these very wealthy areas, break in, and then fly back home after I rob enough places. And that is exactly what they have done. But once they've gotten back home, what we now hear from the folks who are following this issue, well, they, they talk to their friends and their family, and they show them the profits. And those friends and family, they get jealous. So they book flights themselves, and they go do the same thing. Well, that criminality started to percolate all the way back in 2014 through the year 2021, when it took off like a rocket ship as people started to come across the border by the millions under the Biden administration. And as they came across, those illegal migrants began gravitating towards cities where Democrats or district attorneys in those towns have adopted so-called criminal justice reform. And here's why. If they get caught and arrested, most are released very quickly with little to no bail. That allows them to quickly get to the airport, get on a flight, and head back home completely unscathed. So, those are the latest facts and data on how the migrant crisis and open borders are now affecting American cities. Let me offer you my analysis and opinion. First, if you live in a wealthy area, especially one that is run by a Democrat or has criminal justice policies that prioritize, frankly, criminal rights, this issue is going to get a lot worse. Millions of illegal migrants are pouring across our border each year, virtually all of them very poor, and they can't legally work for a fair number of months. And that is naturally going to create desperation amongst many of those folks. Say nothing of the, the criminals and the thugs that are obviously coming here to simply rob and destroy under this guise of tourism. So if you choose to remain in these more liberal enclaves, shall we say, you and your neighbors are going to have to do what other wealthy people do in countries that I have seen and been in abroad that are frankly riddled with this same kind of violent crime. You are going to need to get alarms, cameras, possibly safe rooms. I had one, by the way, in Southern Africa. And you were also going to probably need a weapon or work with your neighbors to hire armed guards. And if you can't afford some or all of those options, here are a few simple steps you can take in the meantime, right? Such as make your home look very active and lived in, right? Keep cars in the driveway, go out to your mailbox frequently and, and leave nothing in it. And if you travel for the holidays, have your neighbors look after your property. Maybe have them park their cars at your home, uh, turn lights uh, you know, on and off periodically. Maybe have them sleep over. Just do not rely on tech gadgetry to do this remotely. In other words, you've got to create physical activity in your home. And by doing so, 
these gangs, they will choose other targets or other homes because they seem more empty and more vulnerable. But second, let's step back for a second. This is why local politics matter and why I so strongly encourage folks to get involved. Your local sheriffs and DAs and city councils, they have profound power and budgets to fix this issue. But so many of these places are not going to do it unless you force them. And that is sad, but that is true. And by the way, if you want to know if your state is one of them that are being targeted by these gangs, the link is in the transcript. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. For subscribers listening at rightreport.substack.com, thank you. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, an equal thanks. We'll be right back. My friends, for the past few months, you have heard me talk about Jace Medical. It's the company that provides you medication for emergency use like antibiotics. Also, they get you backup prescriptions for things like cholesterol, diabetes, and blood pressure. And here's why I love Jace Medical so much. If you are a farming or a ranching family or you live in the back 40, it is pretty tough to get a hold of a doctor, to travel to the appointment, get the prescription, you fill it, and so forth. But with Jace Medical, all you have to do is fill out a simple online form and in some cases have a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians. And then you get the medication right in the mail. You also get ongoing care from Jace Physicians about any treatment-related questions, which is fantastic. In other words, folks, you get peace of mind, you get convenience, and you get an emergency supply of medicines no matter where you are. And that is great for a lot of people, rural families, folks who are traveling, or those of us who might be a little bit anxious these days about our unpredictable world, and you might prefer to have an emergency supply of medicines on hand. And that's kind of smart. So do what I've done. Go to jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E, medical.com. Enter that promo code right, W-R-I-G-H-T is the spelling. And when you do, you will get a right report discount. Again, my friends, go to jacemedical.com, promo code right, and get the supply of medicines you need, folks, shipped straight to your door. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our news this morning with a pivot towards a mix of domestic and international events. So we start with an update out of Argentina with a quick reminder of why we should care. So the U.S. has about $30 billion or so in trade with Argentina, most of which is American products going there. In other words, odds are that a factory or a farm in your state or your region, they're making money or creating jobs with the help of those exports to Argentina. And that's why we're going back with news, especially for America's farmers. But before we get to that, we have to refresh our memories on this. Argentina recently elected a new president of that country, a man named Javier Mille, and he has one heck of a job ahead of him. Inflation runs at 140% annually. Just under half the population lives in poverty. Next, their currency, it's useless. And they have massive levels of debt, including to, and most especially, the Chinese government. So now he's got to take a chainsaw to the place, cutting federal spending, devaluing his currency, even cutting the numbers of his cabinet positions from 18 to 9. And he's doing all of it. Well, so far, initial reaction from global investors to his reforms, well, they're marginally impressed, but they say he's got to do more. He's got to especially export more products to raise 
cash. And that takes us to the farmers there and here. President Miley ordered that virtually all export controls of ag products be lifted. Trade groups say that that will incentivize farmers in Argentina to plant more of everything, especially wheat. In fact, they predict that the next wheat harvest should be, well, around 80% higher. So for my farmers, the point is this, wheat markets could get even more bouncy over the next year because we have now this news from Argentina. Plus, we've had those bumper crops out of Russia for a couple of years now. And then there's that very strange weather pattern lately, that old El Nino. So no deep analysis or opinion on this one. Just a heads up for my farmers. Let's keep our eyes on Argentina. Next, we are headed back to Washington, D.C. for our sixth update of the morning, where we've got some news to talk about regarding Ukraine. Since I spoke with you on Tuesday, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky met with members of Congress and the White House. Well, all of them hammered any American who opposes more war aid. They smeared them with one of four pretty nasty labels. First, the White House effectively said that opponents of war aid are either dumb or not very smart. Pick your word or phrase. And that's because Mr. Biden said that Republican opposition was, quote, stunning and that the GOP was, quote, holding hostage the money so they could use it as leverage to shore up the border. And that is either dumb or not very smart, apparently. Second, Mr. Zelensky himself told Fox News that funding this war was about morality and those who oppose it are immoral. And as he said, the U.S. may have its own domestic problems, sure, and they are big, okay, but the U.S., can do it all. And they have to, because it is the moral thing to do. Third, the White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan offered this next one. The people who oppose uh, helping Ukraine, they are signing America up for World War III. That is because Putin, according to this fella, he surely will invade other European countries after Ukraine falls, including the Baltics, Poland, probably Central Europe and beyond as well. So if we don't stop Putin right now, we are going to have to send in our troops later, and that will be World War III. As previously noted, however, neither Mr. Sullivan nor the White House has ever provided any intelligence of any confidence confirming that this is true. But nevertheless, that is their assertion. Finally, and I should have seen this coming, House Democrats say that anyone who's opposed to war funding is actually a Russian agent, part of the pro-Putin caucus. The allegation is, of course, that Republicans secretly want Putin to win in Ukraine because they have secret allegiances or alliances or preferences for Russia's leadership. This, of course, fits the narrative that we all heard from 2016 until, well, now, when candidate and later President Trump was falsely accused of this same thing. So those are the four rhetorical pressure points that the Biden White House is directing its allies to push, prod, or threaten people with on Capitol Hill or throughout America. All to support, of course, the $60 billion in deficit spending for more aid to Ukraine. So let me pivot now to my analysis and opinion. Well, most of us remember the run-up to the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, don't we? There was very little opposition at time to both of those wars when they first started. But within a few years, reasonable people started asking, hey, are we really winning this war? And is this money that we're spending, uh, are, are we spending it wisely? And also, what's the goal here? Now, if you recall from all those years ago, the folks who were daring to ask those questions, 
they generally got smeared with really one of the same four kinds of labels or allegations that I just mentioned. And in my view, the people who did the smearing back then, they did so because they wanted more power, they wanted more money, uh, they wanted more time to prove they were right, or they wanted more time to avoid blame for being wrong. And I think that we are going through that same process again, but with Ukraine. It's the same smears, the same false allegations, and incredibly, it's from many of the same people who failed us the very first time around in Iraq and Afghanistan, because those same folks are still at the Pentagon or the White House or the National Security Council. So here's my counsel. Don't fall for it. I choose to either support or oppose war funding for Ukraine because the facts and the data demand it, and your use of logic and reason support it. And also this, be prepared to fight for what you believe in, because some very powerful people and companies want this debate to be over. They are not interested in any more questions or debate or conversation or challenges. Just give them the money. But as we learned in Iraq and Afghanistan, that is not the best way to move forward. We will end up losing far too much money and, God forbid, far too many people. With that, let's take our second break of the morning. When we come back, more news from abroad. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue our news this morning with three key things that you need to know about the war in the Middle East. First, the White House says that Israel is engaging in indiscriminate bombing this morning of targets and people in the Gaza Strip. And because of that wild abandon, Israel is losing global support. Mr. Biden made those comments on Tuesday in a closed-door fundraiser, but folks apparently recorded some or all of it and passed that along to the press. He went on to say that part of the reason for these deadly Israeli attacks is that the government is very conservative. And he suggested that that is perhaps what conservatives simply do, just engage in things like indiscriminate bombing. Although that is a very odd allegation. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and his political opponents have formed a wartime cabinet that includes all of them, a unity cabinet, as it has been called. Nevertheless, Mr. Biden says that Israel, quote, has to change, end quote. Well, the change that Mr. Biden seeks takes us to our next update with this quick reminder of who governs the Palestinian territories. So one group is called the Palestinian Authority. They rule part of what is called the West Bank. The other, of course, is Hamas. They control the Gaza Strip. Well, Mr. Biden wants the Palestinian Authority to run both of those Palestinian territories at some point in the future. But that group, which is often called the Authority, they just announced a new coalition partner when they do take over these territories. And that new coalition partner is... Hamas. Earlier this week, senior authority officials told Bloomberg News that Hamas can't be defeated. So they've got to be fused together with the authority and a new coalition government. Well, that came as very unwelcome news to both Israel and actually Hamas. To the former, Mr. Netanyahu said it was an absolutely absurd suggestion to let Hamas govern after they just attacked, a, well, the Israeli state and killed so many of his people. Meanwhile, Hamas's leader, Yahya Sinwar, has apparently said over his dead body would he work with the Palestinian Authority. He apparently has gotten into a pretty nasty set of heated debates with his fellow Hamas terrorists about whether or not to cooperate with the Authority because he views those guys as corrupt and 
not committed to killing enough Jews and the Jewish state. For what it's worth, a recent poll of Palestinians in the Gaza Strip showed that most civilians actually agree with Sinwar and Hamas in general. Support for Hamas amongst Palestinians in Gaza has actually increased since the terror attacks, with 42% now approving of the terror group. That is up from 38% before the terror attacks. Meanwhile, you should also know this. About 90% of Palestinians in both the West Bank and the Gaza Strip want the Palestinian Authority and its president, Mahmoud Abbas, to step down. And to be very clear, folks, here's why that's important. That guy, Abbas, and the Authority, they are the Biden White House's pick to run the Palestinian territories in the future, showing that the White House is totally disconnected from what the Palestinians actually want. Third, and lastly, out of the Gaza Strip this morning, frankly, this is uh, horrific news. So here we go. Confirmation this morning from British press that Hamas is using children as human shields, and I mean literally. They are picking them up in one arm and firing at the Israelis with the other arm, using kids and their bodies to block bullets when they are fired at them. The Daily Mail reports that they have viewed images from Israeli drone operators who have taken pictures and videos of all of this. As they explained, weeks ago, the Israeli drone pilots were firing on these Hamas terrorists, but they had to stop because these Hamas men were getting too close to the women and children. And Hamas very quickly figured that out. So now they scoop up kids and carry them into battle with them, hoping to avoid a drone strike. Meanwhile, drone footage also shows that Hamas is raiding humanitarian supplies provided by the international community, and they are beating or otherwise killing fellow Palestinians who who try or beg to have just a little bit of that aid before it is taken into the tunnel networks. And that, by the way, supports allegations made on live Arab TV that I told you about previously, those two gals, one very elderly, who reported that people were being harmed if they tried to get to that aid that, by the way, American taxpayers and others are trying to provide them. So those are the facts and data this morning out of the Middle East. I'm going to hold off on deep analysis and opinion on this one in the interest of time. But let me leave you with this. Hamas is evil. Using the bodies of children to take a bullet for you is evil. And if your political party requires people who support that and Hamas then you are complicit with evil. You are embracing evil to gain power. And here's my point. That is precisely what the White House is doing this morning, and I'm not going to sugarcoat that. As we have discussed, polling shows the Democrats need these pro-Hamas supporters, especially in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and other swing states, to win the presidential election next year. And that is precisely why Mr. Biden and his team are now making this rhetorical pivot saying that actually it is the Israelis who are bombing indiscriminately, and it is they who must stop. Well, that's absolutely absurd. So let's have some moral clarity on that this morning. Hamas is evil. And if your political party needs people who disagree with you about that, then you are on the wrong side of history, and may God have mercy on your soul. Finally this morning, shall we have some good news? Although you and I might have different definitions of good on this one. So let me tell you why, and we are going to do this by heading this morning to a small city in Mexico. It's about 85 miles southwest of Mexico City, 
And there is this lovely little tiny village that is mostly made up of ranchers and farmers. And for years, they have struggled against a cartel that is known as La Familia Michoacana. And here's why. The cartel levied a tax on them with so many pesos per acre for protection. And if you didn't pay, you weren't protected from the cartel. So for years, the people of this tiny village asked the Mexican army to intervene in this extortion racket. And the army did not. These common folk then asked the politicians and the police to do something, and they did nothing. Well, then about two weeks ago, the cartel announced that they would be doubling that extortion tax, and the farmers and the ranchers couldn't pay it. Commodity prices had been too low, harvests had been too poor. So they were left with no options except this. They decided enough was enough. They pretended to agree with the terms of this new cartel tax, And this group of farmers and ranchers, they met with a cartel at a local soccer field to pay them off. Except, the farmers and ranchers showed up with guns and machetes. And they butchered 10 cartel members, setting them and their vehicles on fire. Sadly, four farmers died as well as they defended their land and their families. Amongst the cartel dead, by the way, was a local leader known as Commander Clown He was the one who came up with the idea in the first place of increasing the extortion rates. And now he is fertilizer for the farms. So I offer that, ladies and gentlemen, as good news, because for the people of Mexico, it is. Their government, their military, and their police failed them, and so they organized. And if I can borrow a line from a Jason Aldean song, they showed what happens when you try that stuff in a small town. And to me, that is very good news. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.